Yeah, what up world? It's your boy Pretty Tony live right here on Block Talk Radio. Can I play a play? Every Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Check out the website. www.playersuniversitysygu.com Pick your copy up of the new book. Yeah, what up world? It's your boy Pretty Tony live right here on Block Talk Radio. Can I play a play? Every Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Check out the website www.playersuniversitysygu.com Pick your copy up of the new book. Who is she? Yeah. Yeah, good day, good day, good everybody, hello. Good day, good everybody, good day, hello. That was a nice welcome. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your boy Lamont, a.k.a. K. Diddy, and you're listening to Can I Play a Play? Uh, this is the show for independence. Usually we're on relationships, uh, current events, and those type things. But today we're going to reach out and do a little something different. We're going to delve off into the political arena. We have a special guest joining us today, Mr. Robbie Wells, uh, running for president in 2016. And is going to bless us with his presence and uh, share his views on the political arena. And let me see, is Mr. Wells with us? Hello, hey, Lamont. Well, how are you this evening? I'm fantastic, and thank you so very much for taking time out to join us today. Well, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to be here and an honor to be able to speak with you and all of the people across this country that are listening and uh, be able to uh, tell everybody a little bit more about myself as a candidate and how I, I am just one of we the people that has finally taken a stand, and I'm asking the entire country to rise up with me. Oh, we'll definitely, definitely thank you again for taking time out to be with us, and I'm sure all our listeners are, are sitting on pins and needles to uh, hear and learn a, more, learn a little bit more about you and uh, your upcoming campaign and your ideas and what you have in store to uh, change this uh, country. I know some of the things that are, are, people are personally concerned about. One is the financial system and the economy. But before we jump into that, Mr. Wells, if you would, would you give our listeners a little bit uh, of history and background on yourself, if you would, sir? Well, well, sure, Lamont. And let me just say this. There was a young girl, beautiful young girl, that went away to college on a scholarship. And very quickly, the people in that school realized how talented this girl was, but like most girls, she ended up falling in love. Uh, it happened to be an older man, a married man, and one thing led to another. All of a sudden, there was an unwanted pregnancy, and all of her friends in that school were telling her, look, this is just a blip on the radar. Don't ruin your career. Go ahead and terminate this pregnancy and, and continue with your education. You've got such a bright future ahead of you. To the point where her friends decided they were going to go ahead and set her up an appointment, to terminate that pregnancy, and at the very last minute, she said, no, I'm going to give this child a chance. I'm going to go ahead and have this baby, put it up for adoption so this ch- this child can have a chance. I've never had the opportunity to meet that lady, but if I could meet that beautiful young girl, I would thank her because the lady I'm speaking of is my birth mom. Uh, I was adopted when I was six weeks old by a Baptist minister and his wife. Uh, my father uh, uh, ministered uh, in several churches in the Deep South. Uh, I was raised in the church, 
My father actually worked with uh, Jimmy Carter when he was the governor of Georgia. My father sat on a committee that oversaw the special needs kids in the state of Georgia uh, because my older sister was special needs. And I've also got a younger brother uh, that, uh, that was adopted as well. Now, here's the neat thing about our family. Everybody in our family is white except for my younger brother. He's black. So we've got an interracial family, and uh, I believe that we've got a beautiful family. Uh, we are all the same. You know, we've all got so many differences, and it's time for us as a people to lay aside all these differences, to stare down these differences uh, uh, and these fears that we have of each other's unique qualities with the courage. And that's what I'm doing by running for president. Oh, well, that's fantastic. And I got one number one question, I guess, is coming from me. And I noticed the switchboard is lit up where people are waiting, waiting to, uh, to have a chance to ask questions. Um, but the one question I have in this wonderful country that, that we have, you know, anybody can run for any office. But notice that, you know, that you didn't come for any um, major, major political backing party. I guess that's impressive. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. What motivated you to decide to, to run for president, I guess, as an independent? Actually, I am running as a Democrat, and uh, I announced back in September that I am running as New Breed Democrat. And the reason that I am doing that is simply because uh, I believe there's a, enough people out here that would like to see the liberties and freedoms return to the people of the United States of America. And, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Democratic Party has been looking for a liberty candidate, and they haven't had one. So this just gives them an opportunity to now actually have one. They've been looking for one in Congress. They've been looking for one in the governors and so forth around the country, and they just haven't had one, Lamont. Well, they welcomed us with open arms with uh, my candidacy, and, you know, we're just going to run with it. So I am a new breed Democrat, but – when people ask me, are you left wing? All the way to Washington come 2016. Here's actually go on uh, my website, my campaign website, which is www.robbiewells2016.com. Thank you. You're breaking up a little bit, Robbie. Yeah, we we could barely hear you, Robbie. I know the weather's very bad where you are. Can you hear me better now? Yes, I heard. Okay. We heard the last part of Eaglenomics, but then he faded out on us. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Eaglenomics is uh, taking the absolute best economic, economically speaking, from the left and from the right. And uh, I've never seen a bird fly with one wing anyway, and I believe that's probably what's been wrong with our country is that we've been trying to go so much with the left wing and so much with the right wing, and then they try to compromise in the middle, and it really doesn't get anything accomplished. So my plan actually takes the absolute best from the left and the absolute best from the right. We're going to bring these manufacturing jobs back to this country. We are going to become energy independent, and we're going to make a better America for everybody involved. And definitely, that's certainly what we need. And, again, I just want to know what we're going to do to get our gas prices down. <laughs> I have to keep well, saying that. Well, again, Lamont, let me just say this. In order for us 
what we're going to have to do is 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 become energy independent and and rely on domestic oil. Right now, we get 25% of our oil from the Middle East every year. Okay, and the bad thing about getting that 25% of oil from the Middle East is it's gotten us into uh, Desert Storm, 9/11, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, Syria two summers ago, almost or or, excuse me, Libya two summers ago, almost Syria a couple of months ago. So we've got to get out of these crazy conflicts in the Middle East, and all of these crazy conflicts are are simply uh, uh, surrounded by oil uh, and and our need for oil here in the United States. So, uh, you know, my plan does call come energy independent, but my plan takes steps to get there. We will become 25% oil independent within my first three and a half years as president. Uh, that way we no longer have to do bad business with countries in the Middle East that uh, harbor terrorists and support terrorist activities. You made a good point. I never really thought about it in that context, that if we were energy efficient, we wouldn't have to deal with a lot of these other countries, and that would um, stop us from having to deal with with certain activities. Uh, Robbie, I think the call is <laughs> the switchboard lit up, man. I'm going to try to take a couple calls and see who we have there. <laughs> Sounds good. The callers to come in. Uh, let me see who we have here. One one one. Who you have live? You're on with us. Um, is your name Lamont? Yes, it is. Who am I speaking to? Well, this is a first-time caller. My name is Joe from Montana. How can we help you, Joe? You on live with Robbie Wells and myself? Well. It's okay with you, sir. I'd like to just maybe uh, hear a little bit more about this man's platform so that maybe 10 minutes from now or so I can come on in with some questions, if that's okay by you. That's fine. Be I guess. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Nine three seven, you're on live. Hello. Hello. Yes, you on live? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you fine. Okay. Um, he's talking about making us more oil in- independent. What is he? What is his views on solar energy to replace gas and electricity in the United States? Well, first of all, ma'am, uh, can I ask your name and where you're calling from? Uh, it's Charlie Scott out of San Diego, California. Ma'am, it's, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. My, my plan calls for us to be energy independent and to use all forms of energy in order to gain this goal uh, of becoming energy independent. And let, let me just say this right now. Right now, we have to rely on fossil fuels. Uh, that's just the, the reality of the world we live in today. But I guarantee you, somewhere out there right now, there's probably somebody in, in an elementary school, some student, that is going to come up with a new form of transportation that does not rely on fossil fuels. Um, In the meantime, what I would like to see is the municipalities uh, uh, adopt a plan very similar to what Los Angeles has done, because Los Angeles now, with their bus system, uh, I believe that every one of their uh, buses in their city system uh, is running on natural gas. But I would like to see solar. I would like to see... um, uh, all forms of energy used to make us an energy-independent nation. And this is not just a matter of economics. Once again, this is a matter of economics and of national defense. Thank you so much for your question. Thank you. 
Robbie, to jump back over uh, on uh, your stance, what is your what is your position on uh, illegal immigration? Because I know I hear a lot of stuff about that on the news today. Well, you know, I do have a plan for for um, immigration uh, reform, and I, I do believe that the amnesty bill that that is in Washington right now, Lamont, it really doesn't make any sense because it does not protect the American citizens, nor does it protect the uh, aliens uh, that are here. Um, this country was, was built on immigrants, and we need to be able to welcome all immigrants into this country. The problem we have right now is um, many of the immigrants coming into this country are coming from uh, third world countries. Uh, they're coming from poverty. They are looking for a better way of life. And the only problem is when they get here, they cannot afford financially to go through the process of actually becoming a legal citizen. Um, my plan calls for us to, number one, secure the border, and then, number two, after we secure the border, uh, work with a plan called Service for Freedom, and we're going to actually allow uh, these people to come into this country, serve this country in the military, the Peace Corps, whatever the case may be, uh, for a number of four years. During that time, they will actually be educated with the English language, educated on the history of this country, and what our founding fathers actually went through. And at the end of that process, they will actually gain their citizenship. The whole time they are doing this, they will be earning a wage, a taxable wage, I might add. And actually, this is already a law, but only about 2,000 people go through this program every year. My plan is just to expand on it. Hello, caller. Did, uh, I guess that... That was a good answer, and I guess you answered my question. I thought that was a call to answer that question, but I forgot that I answered that question. Yeah, you did. You asked that question here, Lamont. <laughs> oh, I guess we're getting close to holiday time, and I'm getting sitting out. But we're going to keep it moving. Keep it moving. Now, That's we gotta, right. Let's yep. keep it real. Let's keep it 100. Let's keep going. Okay, here we go. We have another. Oh, here we got another caller here. Let me see who this is. Three two three. You're on live with Robbie Wells, Lamont Patterson, kind of play a play. Hello. Hello. Seven nine seven nine nine. You're on live. Who we have here? This is Terry Johnson. Hi, Robbie and Lamont. Terry, my friend in California. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Doing just fine. I'm I'm braving the weather over here on the East Coast, but uh, we are we are getting it done. Okay, okay. Well, I got a question for you, Robbie. You know, um, um, I have my nonprofit for sexually abused children, and that's how you know I've technically met up with you and contacted you because you do highly support that issue. And in speaking with Sally Accordi in Congress. Um, she wanted me to pose a question to you about the act that was passed in eight states, which was spearheaded by New York State Assemblyman William Scarborough about trafficking and getting the laws adjusted to where the um, children that are trafficked out of the U.S. get the same kind of protection as when they're trafficked into the U.S. Because when they're trafficked out of the U.S., they're treated as prostitutes, but when they're trafficked into the U.S., they're treated as children. So that was a serious concern of hers, and she wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, Terry, I appreciate that question. Yes, anybody that is actually trafficked, they're, they're actually a victim. 
I've got friends uh, that have actually overcome this process. Uh, in fact, one friend of mine is now an advocate against uh, human trafficking, and I am probably going to be the only presidential candidate that has actually partnered up with a uh, ministry group that actually combats human trafficking. It's, it's funny that the name of the, the group that I work with is Rise Up Ministries right over here on the East Coast, and the slogan for my campaign was Rise Up, and they kind of found me after I had my slogan out there, and we've started working together. But there's over 1 million people here in the United States that are trafficked each and every year, and 17 million worldwide. That's an epidemic. We've got to do a better job. In fact, right here in North Carolina, North Carolina is one of the top five states for human trafficking in the United States. So um, I applaud these eight states that have taken this step, this step and we need to get the other 42 uh, states on board with them. Yes, yes. And I want you to know that I do totally support you on that. And I also wanted to let you know that um, Brigitte Harris should be on the line with us. Okay. Let me see you know, let me, let me see if she's here with us now, Terry. Hold on. 201, you on? Hi, how are you? I'm here. I'm great. Who's this, Brigitte? Yes, this is Brigitte. Hello, Miss Harris. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yes, I technically, um, Robbie wanted to formally have her on the call with us so she can meet you. I've told her a lot about you and how you're supporting the movie Initial Shock, the Brigitte Harris story, and our nonprofit organization, and that um, you'll be part of our um, featured film as well. So now I've officially introduced you to. Well, Miss Harris, it's absolutely a pleasure to finally be able to speak with you. And, uh, you know, I've, I've followed your story, of course, because of Terry. Terry's kept me abreast with everything that's been going on. But you've been through uh, quite quite an ordeal throughout your life, and uh, God bless you for being an overcomer. You know, we are either in this world, we are going to be victors or we are going to be victims of our situation. Obviously, you are a victor to be able to be on this show with us tonight and uh, be able to uh, share with the entire world with this movie that's coming out about your story. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Wells. I appreciate that. Sure. Well, definitely, definitely, and, you know, there's a lot of people have been subjected to the same ordeal, and because of this story, hopefully it'll give them the courage um, to, to come forth so, you know, we can bring back um, a real, real end into this type of situation that's happening around the United States. Let me see. I think we have another call if somebody else may want to join us here. Three five eight seven zero two. You're on live. Do you have a question for Mr. Wells? Yes, I do. Uh, my name is Stan from Las Vegas, Nevada. I was just wondering, uh, what was your opinion on Obamacare? And uh, I'd like to know Stan, what would you do. Stan, Pardon I me? really do. I, I really do appreciate your question and uh, appreciate you uh, calling in from there in, in Las Vegas. Uh, as far as Obamacare is concerned, I usually just call it by uh, the, ne the proper name, which is the Affordable Care Act. Some people want to call it Obamacare when things are going good for the president. Other people want to call it the Affordable Care Act when things go bad, but it's the same thing. The Affordable Care Act, I'm all for every citizen in the United States to have uh, proper health care, and here's why. 
if you are a young adult, and let's say that you had a car accident, or let's say that, God forbid, that you uh, contracted cancer or something, if you did not have health insurance, it would literally wipe you out. You would go bankrupt. Your family uh, would become bankrupt as well. So uh, the, the the thought of that happening is not is not pleasant at all. So I am uh, in favor of everyone having health insurance. There are some problems with the Affordable Care Act, and I do believe that those problems need to be tweaked. You know, the, the the Republicans want to take it and they want to throw it out. They say, well, that you know, if they want to throw something out, tell me what they're going to do. To fix. They don't ever want to talk about the actual solution. See, I'm all about structured solutions. Now that we have the Affordable Care Act, and it is a law, the problems that are with it, we can tweak those problems. And that's all we need to do, but but I am I am all for everybody to have health insurance. Okay. Thank you. Hey, thanks, thank you, Dan. sir. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Great question. Um, Robbie, what is um what is your, your, your views on uh the US's ability to uh, to search its citizens without warrants? Well, according to the National Defense Authorization Act, which was just up again for two thousand and fourteen in the United States or the U.S. Patriot Act, um, uh, this takes away from every citizen's Fourth Amendment right to due process. Uh, and that's why I am considered a new breed Democrat, because I am actually against those parts of the National Defense Authorization Act and the U.S. The US Patriot Act. So because of that, um, I want to see the liberties and freedom return to the people of the United States. Now, there, there's good parts to those acts, too. Once again, let's tweak it. Let's take out the parts that uh, I humbly, in, in my humble opinion, believe are unconstitutional because it does take away from every citizen's Fourth Amendment right to due process. You see, right now with the National Defense Authorization Act, you can be declared an enemy of the state, and the feds can actually come in and hold you, take you and hold you and detain you indefinitely, and your family would not ever see you again if they wanted to hold you the rest of your life. They could without a trial or anything, uh, without due process or even a reason to take you. So uh, that needs to change, and that's one of the one of the planks in my platform that, that I'm actually running on. Uh, and, and most Democrats uh, really don't even have a stance, you know, pro or uh, con against or, you know, for, for or against. Uh, those acts. That's very that's very interesting. What are the? Uh, let me see what I want to ask you. What's your position on our standing military situation? I know we've had a lot of conversation in the news about the drone activity and different things like that. But what is your position on our military, our army as it stands? Well, here's the thing: as as time goes by, technology becomes more and more advanced. We are able to do things now with our military. We, of course, were not able to do back in 1776 uh, uh, when, when we were fighting the British. Uh, but let, let me say this. Um, there are two things that will deter war. A strong, a strong economy and a strong military. My plan is to give our military whatever it is they need to stay as strong as possible now. It was our first president, George Washington, that warned us of all these foreign entanglements. You know, he said, be friendly and trade with all, but entangle with none. But yet here we are with a modern-day empire with our troops literally all over the globe. My plan would be to bring as many of these troops home 
as safely as po- and quickly as possible. Now, I understand there's certain parts of the world that's not going to happen very quick, such as, let's say, South Korea. We're not going to get out of South Korea anytime soon. That's just being very realistic. But there are other places where we can. You know, right now, Iran does not like us very much, but we've got 40 military bases that surround the country of Iran. Now, if Iran had 40 military bases that surrounded the United States of America, we probably wouldn't like them very much either. So I do want to bring these troops home as quickly as we can, let people live without us inflicting our will on all these people around the globe. We can have a military presence in peacetime around the globe that is constitutional. According to Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, we can have a standing Navy. We take our Navy, we put them in the hot spots. Now, if you think about what our Navy includes, our Navy includes, of course, our personnel, our fleet. We've still got amphibious capabilities with our Marines and our SEALs, so if we needed to go on land, we could. We've also got air support with our naval aviators. So we've got everything that we need around the globe in a peacetime situation with our Navy. Let's keep our Air Force, let's keep our Army right here in the United States, keep them trained really, really good so that in the event that we did have to go to war, we've got them and we're ready to go. You know, the United States Air Force is the largest air force in the world. Lamont, do you know what the second largest air force is? No, what? The United States uh, Navy. Uh, wow. I don't know why I was thinking Russia, but you said the United States Navy. United States Navy. So we've got everything that we need. You know, let's let's just do it, and let's do it constitutionally. Let's let's do it where we can bring these troops home, where we can start living in harmony once again with all these other nations. I'm not talking about being an isolationist. I'm talking about being a non-interventionist because right now what we're doing is we're intervening our will upon everybody else around this globe. And it's caused an, a lot of ill will from people from around the globe towards the United States. My plan would actually fix that. And I agree, because uh, it seems like the United States is so busy in everybody else's business and neglecting their business at home. Right. Well, and it's funny that you bring that up. In Lamont, let me just say this. We give away $50 billion a year in foreign aid, and yet we've got 46 million Americans living in poverty right here in the United States. Okay, the land of opportunity with 46 million people living in poverty. My plan is president, and I want everybody to listen to this. If you want me to be the president, I want you to understand what what I am going to be doing. We're going to keep those taxpayer dollars right here in the United States. That $50 billion that we're giving away to these foreign countries, we're going to keep it right here. Imagine if you took $50 billion and broke it up over 50 states every year. That's a billion dollars per year that each state on average would get. Uh, That goes to helping the infrastructure of every state, to helping um, make jobs and and the whole nine yards to make a better America, uh, to let us all have a better quality of life. One thing I will note uh, for sure is this. If we don't take care of our own backyard, we're not going to have a backyard. (laughs) And that's 100% correct. 100% correct. For those of you just joining us, we're on live with Robbie Wells. The call-in number is 646-929-2870, and this is K. Diddy, and you listen to your boy, Can I Play a Play? Let me see if this call is ready for us. Uh, yeah, I'm back. Joe from Montana, are you ready for your question, sir? How are you doing this evening? Okay, Lamont. Now, I just Thank want to know how long um, your guest is going to remain on the show, and how long is your show going to uh, stay on the air? 
Well, hopefully we're going to be on the air for the next 90 years. But uh, No, I, I mean today. Next yeah. hour, next half hour? Yes, sir. What, is it going to be the next half hour or the next hour? We're going to be here for the next half hour or more. Half hour, okay. So then I'll have some questions for you guests then. Okay, Mr. You're on with Mr. Wells. Go for it. All right. Okay. Your name's Robbie? Yes, it is. And what was your name again? I'm sorry. Joe. Hey, Joe. Okay. Uh, Robbie, how you how do you plan on making your plans viable? In other words, a lot of people who are candidates, they talk about their plans. But how are you going to get your plans onto the committee floor? How are you going to convince? I think the um, majority, the majority leader is um, Reed, right? That's right. Okay, are you well, going to well, are you going to be running for Congress or just straight for the presidency in 2016? No, I'm, I'm I'm running for president of the United States, and according to the the Constitution, the, anybody running for president's got to be at least 35 years old, which I am, a uh, natural born citizen, which I am, and have lived here in this country for the past 14 okay. years without living abroad. Now, right, let me who, say this. Let me let me say this to you, Joe. I believe that the mess that our country has gotten in is not because of a Democratic problem or a Republican problem, but definitely because of a career politician problem. And if we keep on doing what we're doing, we're going to I understand that, Rob. What we're I understand that. Yeah. Here's the thing. You're going to be running for presidency. You're a new breed Democrat. Who's funding right. you? Well, actually, uh, there's people all across the country that have been – have been donating. It's, it shows like this where I can get my name out there, which which will help us. It's been a grassroots effort. Now I will say this: all of a sudden, uh, because of my my platform to bring the manufacturing jobs back, now all of a sudden a lot of these unions, including the Teamsters Union, are, are really taking a strong look at what we are doing uh, with this with this campaign. So, uh, have you know, been getting donations from organized labor? Well, we have. Like I said, they've they've just found out about us. We just announced. Uh, Have you been getting any donations about, so far from organized months. labor? Okay, that's that's what I was trying to answer you, Joe. I was in the process of doing that. Uh, we just announced two months ago that we we're going to seek the Democratic Party nomination, and uh, actually, the the labor unions are just now finding out about us because you know. Bobby, let me interrupt unheard. for a second. Let me sure. interrupt. You've only got you've only got a half an hour left, or maybe fifteen minutes. Lamont has only got about a half an hour left for the show. Right. So when I ask a question, I just like to have a nice, short, very succinct answer because I have about three or four more questions for you. Uh, so after this question, I have one really uh, well. Forget about that one. Since you're not going to be running for Congress, but have you received any donations from organized labor yet? Not yet. No. Okay. Now you talk. Just, you also talked again, about. Again, they just found out about it. Oh, yeah, so. they just found out. Okay, yeah. you were talking about immigrants, and your plan for immigrants is to, before they become citizens is for them to join the um, the armed services, and then they can learn English, and then after they get out of the service, they can become um, United States uh, citizens who have the power to vote, and they're considered the same as natural-born citizens, right? That is correct. In fact, it's already a law. All right. So you would like to expand on that law, and then that would be an incentive for more illegals um, or, and, and more immigrants to come to this country who can't speak English, who don't have skills, to now f- uh, flood the armed services. And then, then that would give you the incentive, even though you've said you like to bring people home, to continue the wars overseas. So I don't see how that's a viable plan. Well, 
you know, here, here's the thing. What, what do you think the plan is, just to go ahead and continue to allow them to come in here? Uh, the plan would be to, as, to, as not, they are? to not give welfare to anybody who's not a citizen. In fact, I'm not for just handing out welfare anyway. I'd like to have the populations of the, the illegals and even um, legal immigrants stopped completely. That's my particular plan. So that, um, that particular plan of yours I don't particularly care for. Now you've also talked about the NDAA being unconstitutional. Well, yeah, that's fine. What do you think about the NSA? Well, I, I, I do not appreciate the fact that uh, they've been able to eavesdrop on billions of phone calls every day, and I believe that, uh, you know, now all of a sudden this is being brought to the attention of the American people. And, of course, you what do you know, think about Snowden? Well, I've got mixed emotions about Snowden. I think that he's he's uh, definitely got to uh, go through the process of, of, if he ever does come back to the United States, to answer for what he's done. But at the same time, he did bring it to everyone's attention, and now here we are at a, at a position So even though we open up everybody's eyes to the abuses by the NSA, you would like to have him prosecuted. Joe, can you let him finish his thought before you Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, look, he's running for president, and he's got nice lick answers, and he'll take a good two to three minutes uh, to answer a question, and all that's really needed is about ten seconds. So that's why I'm trying to go through this. Well, you know, and and again, again, Joe, and I appreciate your opinion, but my humble opinion is this. I can give you yes-no questions, okay? And I can be real short with you, or I can try to expand upon those answers, which is what I've tried to do. Now, I don't know who your candidate is, but obviously I'm not your one. If it's Hillary, that's fine and that's good. But what you got to ask yourself over the past two decades is this. Has this country gotten any better or has it gotten any worse in the past two decades when Hillary Clinton was either the first lady or she was a senator or then she was uh, uh, the secretary of state? I venture to say we've lost all these manufacturing jobs and all these people are unemployed. Uh, we've got to get people back to work in this Yeah, country. I agree That's with you on that. I me. agree with you on that, but I, I still okay. want to find out if you're going to prosecute Snowden. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't you wouldn't prosecute him. him. No. Okay. And the NSA, you have mixed emotions about the NSA, uh, the NSA, right? Well, I've got mixed emotions about Snowden, but at this point, no. From what I know, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't prosecute him. No, I said the NSA. Do you have mixed emotions about the NSA? Um. I would just like to see this whole thing play out and see a good investigation with everything that's been going on. Let's find out exactly. See, we've got to do a better job of having transparency with our government. Well, you already had a report that said that the NSA was unconstitutional and it hadn't prevented any kind of terrorist attacks at all. Well, this past week, the the judge, which is uh, a conservative Republican, actually came out and said that that, uh, the – the actions of the NSA was unconstitutional. What I would like to see is, is all of this expanded upon. Now, they put a stay on that, of course, uh, you know, for the next, I don't know, couple of months so that they can actually file an appeal. Uh, let's just see what happens. I'd like to see everything go through the court of law, though. Well, I already went through the court of law. The judge already said it was unconstitutional, as you already admitted. Well, and the report yeah, to the again, president already said that it's ineffective. So what what would you like to see played out? Well, I would like to see I would like to see uh, uh, the court or, or to see the NSA be able to go through their appeal process. You know, everybody deserves the right to to go through the process, and that includes the NSA. Let, let them go through their process too. 
the appeal process was at the court order was uh, the court decision was done in an, um, uh, you know not in a legal way but didn't conform to legal process so we'll see if they can appeal on that but then you also talked about uh, what was it I'd like to know how you're a new breed Democrat how you'd like and you talked about spreading out the fifty billion dollars that is ordinarily spent on um, foreign aid you'd like to see that spread out throughout the United States right that's what I would like to do. I'd like to see a lot of things done to help this country. We've got thousands of homeless veterans. Let me, let me just say this. We've got people that have laid it on the line for you and for me to protect our Yeah, and I'm one of them. I'm a vet. I, I know what you're talking about. The thing yeah. is, is that, in other words, you would like to still see government spending. I like to, Is that right? I would like to see what? Government spending. Would you cut back on it or would you expand it? Oh, no, I'd, I'd ultimately like to see our government uh, much smaller than what it is. But now, here's the thing. We didn't get where we are, Joe, overnight. And to say that we can snap our fingers and fix it overnight, you're not going to do that either. See, let me just give you this scenario. If you went to the doctor with a huge tumor on your back and said, Doc, can you remove this tumor? And the doctor says, sure, and they whack it off, you're probably going to bleed to death. What that doctor's got to do in order to make you survive is surgically remove that thing, and every time he comes to a blood vessel, tie those blood vessels off kind of what we have to do to draw down the size of our government. Um, you know, we didn't get here overnight. We're not going to fix it overnight. Uh, so right. how long so do you I, think it will take to downsize it, and to what limits would you rather have it? Uh, because well, it, it took us decades to get where we are right now. Now, if you go back, I'm, I'm huge on the Tenth Amendment, Joe, okay? That's why I call myself a new breed Democrat. If it's, if it's not in the Constitution, let's just give it back to the states. Um there's a lot of things that are good that, that we're doing up in Washington. Um, it's not necessarily covered in the Constitution. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, that, that document's way out of date and this, that, and other. Well, if that's the case, that's the way a lot of people feel, then hold the Constitutional Convention and, and update it. But uh, what I think we need to do is, is uh, uh, over a period of time, let's give all these things back to the state and draw down the size of our government, our federal government. That's great. That's great. Uh, let's take a question from another caller. Uh, 937, you're on live. Hi, yes. I was asking about what he thought about the big Chase uh, breach in the Chase banking through Target, and does he have an answer for maybe fixing the banking system here in the United States? It seems to be getting worse. Well, thank you so much for your question. Um, well, with with technology the way it is, the bad guys are able to go in and and get things at times when with uh, with these huge corporations that don't have the the correct uh, capacity to safeguard against what's been going on. I'd like to see um, uh, uh, the people or the persons responsible for this uh, being brought to justice. You don't. It's like you never hear about the people that actually did it. You just hear that it was done. But I'd like to actually see them brought to justice. Exactly. Thank I, I, you, Robbie. A um, question for you. We've we've done uh, quite a few shows uh, for helping homeowner rights advocates, and I guess that goes back toward the banking institutions, the lending institutions. And I know a lot of people that that lost their homes uh, through Wells and B of A, and you know the whole bank modification, the home foreclosures, and different stuff. 
what's going to happen to these people because now because of that they're not going to ever able to be able to qualify for a home again and i've also noticed that uh the way they've changed their credit reporting agencies are these people ever going to be able to own property again well it's funny that you that you asked that i've always talked about foreclosure credit forgiveness uh, from the time of 2007 to the time of 2012, and anyone that lost their home because of the downturn of the economy, uh, uh, that we could take a one-time uh, opportunity to wipe it from their credit to actually give these people a chance to go back and uh, pursue the American dream to be able to actually uh, uh, get another home. It may not be as big a home as what they had before, um, uh, the downturn of the economy, because we all know that Fannie and Freddie was bad, okay, and, and that had everything to do with our federal government. But we've got to be able to help these people, and I've always talked about uh, foreclosure credit during that period of time. Now, I know that's a major thing in this uh, country because a lot of people work 20, 30 years to achieve the American dream, to to have a home and hopefully be able to remain in their home and to find out that they've worked 30 years for nothing. Yeah, that's that's correct. So, you know, uh, once again, I am not a multimillionaire, and, and I hope that Joe out in Montana is still listening. You know, I'm just one of we the people. I've gone through the same struggles, Lamont, uh, waking up every morning wondering how I'm going to provide for my family, just like 99% of the people in this country do every day, feeling like my American dream has been stolen from me uh, and replaced with an economic nightmare. You see, I've had good jobs before. I've had jobs where I just barely made ends meet. I've had jobs uh, that that were really good and then lost it and had absolutely nothing and wondering what I was going to do to pick up those pieces. Uh, One thing I will tell you this, the, the marking of a true champion is somebody that gets up one more time than he gets knocked down, and that's what I've done, and that's that's the attitude that I want the American people to see is, hey, we can rebuild. We can overcome. We can be victors instead of victims. So uh, that's why my plan calls for bringing all these jobs back. Uh, my plan calls for becoming energy independent, for bringing our troops home, for living in a better America uh, because – you know, really, when you think about it, this isn't about the conservative, state, conservative states or the liberal states. This is about the United States, and it's time that we start acting like we are all one. See, we can, we can all sit here and talk about our differences because that's what the establishment has tried to do is, is, is label our differences so that we uh, will be divided. You see, whether you're black or white, young or old, male or female, gay or straight, Democrat or Republican, constitutionalist or libertarian, Green Party or independent, Protestant or a Catholic, Mormon or an atheist, Muslim or an agnostic, or those of the Jewish faith. We are all very unique on this planet. But we can embrace our differences because we've got one common bond. We are all Americans. It's time for us to start acting like we're we're in the greatest nation that's on the face of this planet. Let's get back to it. Sounds great. I think I'm the only really known alien from another planet, but I don't think I should tell people that. Yeah. I think uh, I think we got another. Lamont, call. am I still? Yes, you are. Go ahead. Okay, I I have something I want to interject, uh, Robbie, along with the caller Joe, 
And I just wanted to let you know my personal opinion as far as when you start pointing the fingers and saying what one individual is going to do. I want to know what your views are because I personally think that a lot of our problems do not stem from one individual that's put in office. I think every individual is put in office and given a chance to act out his campaign. But I think the entities such as the Senate, the House of Representatives, and Congress, I personally think if we can clean up those areas, a lot of things that you promise to do or other people who come along that promise to do can get it done. I personally think that's who we should be pointing the fingers at. Very true. Joe, are you there? Hold on. Let me let me bring Joe back on. Let me bring him back in. Joe, See, you still I, there? Oh, now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey, listen. We gotta let we gotta let people speak their mind before you beat them up. But the young well, lady yeah, well, I didn't know that you had other callers still waiting. I thought they left after they um, asked their questions, and I thought, well, no, you know no, the way. Sir, we're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, but we're very important people over here. I just need to remind you. Yeah, yeah Joe, I mean, Joe, I'm, I, I feel what you're saying, Joe, about mm-hmm. every time we get a new person, we got a speech and everybody says certain things. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of our problems are coming from certain entities that we can't technically blame or so to speak. You know, we use the president to blame him. You know, and I technically don't agree with that. And I'm not just saying that for Obama. I'm saying that for Reagan, Nixon, everybody. I think those entities there have been the brush of our problem because you have people that are still in office with that old way of thinking. I think that's where the cleaning up should be. And, you know, Robbie, I just wanted to know your view on that particular subject there. Well, Terry... You're, you're exactly right. I do believe that it's time to bring in some new blood. Um, we can keep on doing what we're doing, but we're going to keep on getting what we're getting. And what you got to ask right. yourself is over the past two decades, uh, are you happy with what you've been getting? If you're not, then it's time to go in a new direction. Uh, I know that President Obama is doing the absolute best that he can, but he's just one one uh, person that's up there in D.C. You've got all of Congress and everything. Let me just say this. A Robbie Wells running for President of the United States as a candidate, as a new breed Democrat, uh, standing up to return the liberties and the freedom to the people of the United States. If we can win with an overwhelming uh, electoral majority, we will send a mandate to Washington for those that are there serving in Congress that the people of the United States are fed up. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing members of Congress point the finger and cast the blame at the other side all the time. It's time for us to lay all those differences aside and start working together. And you see, if you look at my career, I've always been a bridge builder. Career politician? No, I'm not. But then I, I venture to say, look at these career politicians and what they've been giving you. I venture to say that what they've been giving us is not very good. And it's time for us to go in a new direction. Maybe with a candidate that's got proven leadership ability, like myself, but not necessarily a career politician. Right. I got a right. question. I have a question for you too, Robbie. Uh, how That's do you plan? How do you plan on getting um, the people's confidence back in the whole voting um, uh, procedure, the whole voting thing? Because I know in the last few years, uh, people haven't really been going out to vote because I mean they just seem like they've lost 
uh, trust in, in the whole voting situation. You know what I mean? Because even if you vote, who's to say that that vote is going to be counted toward the right person? I hope I'm asking my question correctly. But I know there's been a lot of controversy on counting the votes and if it's an accurate vote. And seem like the American people just don't have any faith in the whole voting process, so they don't care if they vote or not. But yet and still they complain when something doesn't happen the way that it should happen. But then the flip side of that is they don't go vote because they really don't think it's going to matter anyway. How do well, you Lamont, see it's a fix in that? You, you bring up a major problem because here's the thing. 2012 proved that we've got a, a divided nation. Uh, with the election that you saw in November 6, 2012. And it wasn't because President Obama got a little over 50% and Mitt Romney got a little less than 50%. That's not what makes us divided. What makes us divided is the simple fact that over 90 million Americans that could have voted, that are of the age to vote, chose not to vote because of that very reason that you're talking about. So we're actually reaching out to those people and we're actually targeting those people as well as those that go and vote every time uh, to say, hey, look, we're giving you a true candidate. The reason I believe that a lot of those 90 million didn't vote is because they didn't have a true candidate that represented them. Robbie, you're you're answering part of his question. What his major question is is, um, how do we start the, the uh, confidence to the people so that they believe that the votes are not rigged? In other words, electioneering. Exactly. Yeah, that's the vote. That's the question. Well, and 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 that comes that comes from from everybody from the local level all the way up onto the state level of having procedures in place to make sure that that doesn't occur. You know, we all look back at uh, the 2000 election with Al Gore and Bush and what happened, especially down there in the state of Florida. Uh, which, you know, who knows who actually won that that, that election. But uh, we've got to do a better job, and I believe that we as a people have got to be the ones that, that say uh, that we're going to do a better job of overseeing it to make sure that this is done right instead of uh, relying on just everybody else and, and taking an apathetic role. So is that a is that a is that a local is that a local or state thing or is it something that say the president offers now that he can implement for the people that's starting to run in the future so something can be in place? I mean, but how, how do you see that that coming about? Because my well, I, concern, I, I truly, is, I truly believe. I guess, I guess my concern is local level. Local level. I, I guess mm. I, I guess my concern is what I'm saying is like. Here you got these people compiling the votes, and they say this this candidate got so many votes or that candidate got so many votes. Who's overseeing that process? Because it seems like now, I mean, the American trust is shaking to the point that it's going to take something super, super traumatic to get everybody's trust back to believe in anything anybody say. I just want to know who's monitoring that process that actually counts the votes to go to candidates. Well, here, here's the thing right now, and you can actually look at this. Actually, George Soros has a company now that uh, it's, a, it's a computerized way of counting the votes, and they're actually going to do it over in Spain. They're going to count our votes over in Spain. So we have to trust. So we have to trust the company in Spain, and who who's to say who's controlling well, and, that company? And see, that's my problem. That's my problem that I'm telling you right there, Lamont. We the people have got to say that 
that enough is enough. We've Look, got to be able to do this on the state and local level and not give it to somebody else because here's the thing. Who's to say what's going to happen when those votes are counted in a foreign country? Look, that's already being done now. Let me interject here. Okay. Right. There's there's been a controversy for years about uh, a couple of companies. One of them is Diebold, okay, right. in which they rigged certain elections. They had congressional hearings about it. The question is, what are you as president going to do? We the people aren't going to do anything because if we're apathetic, that by itself is self-identification. It means we're not going to do anything. Now, if we want to do something, we still have to go through the powers that be. Now, you can't say it's going to have to be done at the local level or the state level. It has to be done from the congressional level because this is affecting congressional and presidential elections. So what are you as president going to do? Well, as, as president, uh, the president always has the bully pulpit that he can actually get up there and, and talk to the American people and let them know what's really going on. See, I believe that we deserve a president in this country that's going to get up and actually tell the people that we've been sold out because this country has been sold out from the election standpoint, from, from our jobs because of NAFTA and CAFTA and AFTA, all these jobs, these manufacturing jobs going overseas. You deserve a president that's going to actually get up there and, and tell it like it is and tell us what we've got to do to get them back. So what are you going to do? Uh, we've, got to, we've got to take control of this country, and that includes the votes. That's where it starts, actually. Okay. So, Here's what I would do, all right? I would have an investigation into those companies that allegedly had rigged certain elections. Right. Okay. So what would you do? And and hey Joe, just to just to expand on that a little bit, I, I would probably do the same thing. I'd run an investigation on those companies, and I'd probably make an example out of them, like they would do if it was any one of us. And and therefore, I would eliminate that problem because the core that we're going after is how to get the trust back right. to the American people. Exactly. And, and if Ron, we don't get the trust back to the American people, we're going to continue to have the same problem over and over again. Over Nobody's and over. And that's correct. But now here's the thing with an investigation, guys, okay? And a lot of the American people will tell you this. They want an outside source to do the investigation. They don't want anybody within the federal government to actually do the investigation because they feel that that would be rigged, too. So let's get an outside source to actually do the investigations. You know, there's conspiracy theorists out there about all sorts of things. 9/11, uh, chemtrails, yep. name it. I, I don't, I don't buy into the, to, to the conspiracy theories. What I will say is this: anytime that anything like this occurs, I would like to see a full investigation done from an outside source, uh, where we actually do pay with taxpayer money to actually get this investigation done, but it's not done by the entity of anything from the federal government. And that's what you should have said. Stop it, Joe. Be nice. Listen, Come on. We got man. another. We, we got another. We got another caller here. Um, three one zero seven nine three. You're on live. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, you're on live. Um, yes, I have a question regarding education. Uh, what are you going to do to improve the education for the children? And what is your name, ma'am, and where you're calling from? I'm calling from the L.A. area. My last, my name is Shannon. Hi, Shannon. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. All right, here's what I would like to see happen with education. I'd like to see it return to the state. 
It's not covered in the Constitution. Since 1977, we've had the Federal Department of Education in place, and since 1977, our our education system has plummeted. I believe that we are 41st now in the world in, in the field of math, and we're like 23rd overall. Uh, whereas before 1977, we were in the top 10. So we've we've been going backwards uh, since 1977 uh, for uh, goodness, going on 40 years now. Uh, so. Uh, my plan would be to return it to the state and to let these states uh, actually decide what's going on. See, this, this common core, the whole nine yards, I don't believe that the federal government has any business telling uh, everyone across this country, uh, you know, to have a uniform uh, curriculum. And here's why. What's good for students in Hawaii may not be good for students in Arkansas. And what's good in Arkansas may not be good for students that are up in Maine. So we've got to do a better job. I do know this. The Federal Department of Education is the exact reason why we've got over half a million manufacturing jobs that are vacant here in the United States today because the Federal Department of Education came in and said you can no longer teach shop in high schools because it's considered, quote, unquote, dangerous. We've got to get the Federal Department of Education out of the way, return it to the states, and we've got to raise the expectations for our students. Okay, so are you saying that the state should um, decide on the loans and what it would cost to go to college? Actually, what I would like to see, and my plan actually does call uh, over a period of time. Now, this wouldn't happen, of course, uh, in the next uh, uh, cycle for for your president, but we can move towards having uh, free education all the way through four years of college. See, when it was set up, uh, over 100 years ago, we had free education. When I say free, it, nothing is free, of course. It's taxpayer money. But free education all the way through high school, because that's all you really needed back that time was a high school education. Well, that's not the case anymore. Uh, uh, these students need to have a, a degree. So uh, my plan would actually be to uh, look at ways that we can actually uh, have free education so that people can earn their degree that way. We need to do a better job uh, because, really, all the federal government has been doing with the with the uh, student loans is holding these students hostage, and really that that turns the economy south as well. So we've got to do a better job. Okay, you know, and I have one other question. And how do you feel about gun control? I mean, do you think every citizen should have a gun in their house and protect it? If someone should, you know, bust in on them, what do you feel about gun control? Well, I, I would like to see everybody's Second Amendment right protected. I've got a plan that actually will take care of three problems. We've got gun violence. It's called Vets for Kids. My plan would actually employ thousands of veterans across this country uh, to go in every school and be the actual guardians for our children so that we no longer see a Sandy Hook-type incident. Veterans? Veterans from from guys who served in war? Say again, I'm sorry? Okay, you say you want the veterans to go in there and protect the schools? Yeah, and who better to protect our children than these veterans that have already taken an oath to protect the people of the United States? They've already laid it on the line. Uh, All these people are unemployed. And here's the thing. In, in, In your city, you've already got these resource officers in pretty much every school. Okay? Um, 
that's not where you got the problem. It's small town USA where they think that, oh, they're safe, they're this, that, and other, but that's not the case. Such as Sandy Hook. Such as Colorado a week and a half ago. Okay. okay, well, thank okay. you. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Thanks for calling in. Well, listen, Lamont, uh, I am going to have to hang up. Uh, I've got to get on this other call real quick, but uh, thank you very much for this opportunity and for those across the country that are listening in. May God bless each and every one of you during this holiday season. May God bless our troops. May God bless these United States. Thanks, guys. And definitely, and we thank you for calling in, Robbie, and we'll continue to support, and thank you, and have a great holiday. You too, man. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, Dennis. Dennis. Yes, sir. How come you never said to me, Joe, it was a pleasure to talk to you? Oh, because, Joe, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You know that. No, he didn't and, say it. He said it to everybody else. He said, what's your name? And I think one call said, Sandy. Uh, Sandy, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Never said that to me. Well, 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 well Joe, because you be beating up all I get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But anyway, I'm glad you're back uh, on the air, dude. Oh, yes, sir. And I was trying to find you, but I couldn't find you. But I'm glad you're back with us, too, because we need, we, need, we need that voice from Montana, because I can always depend on you to throw some mess in the game. Oh, I'm throwing grenades <laughs> left and right. You got a politician on? You know that. <laughs> anyway, Terry, you still on with us? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah, could you speak a little bit about uh, uh, the nonprofit organization, please? Well, the nonprofit organization is called TEL HAPSAC, which is the Acronyms for Humanitarians for Sexually Abused Children. And what I wanted to put in place is to have a facility in every state where we can provide help, shelter, therapy, food, clothing, whatever need be for victims of abuse, people who need to get out of certain situations that they're afraid of. We need safe. Havens. We have enough phone numbers to call to talk to psychiatrists, but what we don't have is when that mother has realized her husband is molesting her child and she's afraid to leave because the family's not believing her. She has nowhere to go. She can't get any proof. She can't. She's afraid to contact the law. And I think that we need facilities that can provide safe havens for a lot of people of this type of abuse and also to provide. Um, therapy and safe havens for adults that are still suffering from the effects of childhood abuse who may need help and therapy and guidance themselves. So this is what our organization is all about. And and the key word there is tell. We're trying to get as many victims as we can to tell so we can fix the problem. When you look at the statistical facts, at 17 million children a year being molested and only half are reported. So what happens to those other that other half? Do they just trickle through the system with psychological problems, ending up on drugs, in gangs, prostitution, committing crimes? I mean, if we keep this up at 17 million a year, we're not going to have very many lawyers, doctors, you know, things of that nature, teachers, until we get to the core of the problem because it's all affecting us mentally and psychologically, which is not letting us be productive adults because we're not getting the help we need. 
is uh, Breezy still on the line? Breezy, are you there? Hello, Breezy, you still there? I'm still here. I had I got a question for you, and, I, and I'm sorry, Rob is no, no longer on the line, but I had a question for you. If there was any laws or anything that you would like to see put on the books or anything that you could see that he could specifically do that uh, that you're passionate about, that he could help any kind of way, I wanted to ask that while he was asking you that while he was on the line, but I guess it went another direction. But uh, oh, is there anything that you're passionate about? Hello? Yes. Did you understand my question? Yes, I did. Um, there is, actually. Um, what me and Terry are doing is basically trying to bring an awareness to child abuse in general. Um, so I don't think, that, especially in New York, the laws against incest are, should I say, um, more lax than if you were molested or abused by a... Um, a stranger. So laws like that that need to be changed is something I'm passionate about. That's just one of the few. Oh, okay. Hold on, I think we have another caller here. Um three eight two, you're on live. Hello. They're probably listening on speaker. Three two three three eight two, you're on live. Yes, hi. Um, Hello. Hello. Your question. Hello. And we hear you. Oh, okay. Um, She's, I guess, just hitting on the point. A lot of different cultures and areas, the incest is really not thought of as a bad thing. Um, the head of the household, um, just, it's just not thought of as, as being bad. So you have to, I guess, change people's mindset in order for them to understand that it is, no matter what, you know where you your you know your country of origin or anything, you need to you know speak out about it. And I think once more people speak out, I think more people will get on board with. Because it is a really sad thing, you know, especially when I'm looking in the news and they're talking about the molestation of of infants. It's like really, really sad. And it wasn't even in the United States; it was in you know another country. But an infant, I mean, to me, that's like truly low. Yes, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. Um, all of the stories is such a dark subject that, you know, uh, a lot of people tend to run away from it. But we've got to, like you said, and Bridget, what you said as well, we have to bring awareness. I believe that's the only way that we can, number one, start to combat this problem. Because if the pedophiles and the child molesters realize that people are becoming aware and they're watching, they may be more hesitant to commit the act. Like the child molester says, he looks for the parent that's at the park with the child that's running around a mile away that's not paying attention. They're looking for the parent at the mall that gives the child money to go play arcades while they shop. That's what they do. 
the pedophile is the one that's looking for the parent that has a child that's not paying attention or doesn't have a father at home. You know, these are the things, and, I, and, and once again, awareness is going to be the way to help combat this problem. Joe from Montana. Uh-huh. What's your what's your take on this uh dark subject? On pedophilia? Of course on, it's bad. On to all of it, to annihilate it, to kill it, to stop it out. What's your views on that? Oh, well that's that uh, resides in the home. Mothers and fathers, um, they should take responsibility for their children. They should let them know, um, you know, do not talk to strangers. Do not stray far from me. If I walk away from you, you follow me. Um, and a lot of that probably would be eliminated, okay? Okay, but Joe, but now let me say that because there is a difference between a child molester and a pedophile. Now, what you just said, that's mm-hmm. good for the child molester. The child molester is the stranger. That snatches the child off the park, off the street, or whatever. But what about that pedophile that's at home? That's in it's your the house. Father, it's the uncle, it's the church, it's the preacher, it's the teacher, it's people well, that children know no. that they encase their trust in. Okay, right. So how do you combat that? Here's my here's here's my solution. And and Diddy, you might remember this. I've said this a number of times. I am for um, frontier justice. I, you know, the other call I think was Brigitte or the new one. She was talking about uh, more stringent laws. Um, yes and no, because that gives uh, the powers to be more authority to screw things up. If you find that your uncle, your aunt, your father is messing around with your child, you beat him half to death, and if and then if he doesn't have recourse to go to the to the authorities, because right now he does. Right? That's why I'm not for all the more stringent laws. If you can beat them half to death, and it's socially acceptable to beat them half to death, you're going to reduce a lot of uh, the child molestation, the pedophilia. Well, right now, um, wait, 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 wait hey, uh, uh, Terry, I just want to ask you one question. Do you know anything about Brigitte's story? Yes. I'm asking Joe that. Oh, me? Uh no, I don't, uh, no, just mm, what she was talking about for the first few seconds when she first got on the line. That's about it. Now, when you get a chance, uh, look look up her story because it kind of like does not exactly kind of coincide with what you said because uh, there has been some drastic actions to try to uh-huh. avoid that, and the system kind of like didn't really well, anyway. didn't address it. That's what I'm saying. If Terry, you look, I guess you, you a little bit better than I did. Well, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, you know, you're right. I haven't. I don't know what the background is, but I don't see many people who, when they realize that the whole family is going to beat the shit out of them, is going to have any kind of incentive to continue to uh, molest that kid. Now, right now, as that's not um, necessarily true. Sorry. Oh, okay, you're right. Uh, not in all cases, but I would imagine that if men, women knew that they couldn't go to the courts to protect them because they, you know they got. They got their asses kicked, you know, and now they can accuse the, um, you know, the mother of, you know, beating them up because they supposedly molested the kid. That there wouldn't be that. Unfortunately, there's some mothers who are in denial. There are a lot of families who are in denial. There are a lot of families out there that think it's not happening in my family. It happens right. to other people. Well, wow. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, there probably would be. Okay. Yeah, but now, those, 
Now, now here's my thought, Joe, and and it might sound kind of harsh, but I thought about castration. I mean, well, I that's, go that you know, yeah. I mean, I know it wouldn't go that far, but I'm just saying that that would be a major deterrent for anybody. But I think stiffer, stiffer penalties. I think stiffer penalties will help. I think exposure, awareness, and it's going to take. Uh, like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. It's going to take this nation to protect our children with this yeah. type of issue. So, yeah. What would you do for? Yeah, I agree. That was going back to my premise about it's the mother and the father. If mother, if mothers and fathers had were of well, psychologically able to become mothers and fathers, a lot of mothers and fathers is just because they can't have kids, they do have kids, they shouldn't have kids. Okay. Right. If you can't psychologically raise a child, if you can't economically raise a child, then refrain from having a child until you can. I don't think just because you can have a kid at the age of 19, 20, 21 that you should. You know, it doesn't make you a man to have a kid at 21. It doesn't make you a woman to have a kid at 21. Have a kid at 30 when you're financially able, able and when you're um, um, psychologically more mature. What are you saying is all understandable, but unfortunately that's not reality. What the reality is that it's that is happening. Everything you're saying it's it's happening. It's it's happened and it's going to continue to happen. So you so what do you do as a result of that? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. That's, so taking into I'm, consideration, I'm for I'm for I'm for the castration, man. I don't know about I'm not for castration. I mean, look, if well, you take well, some, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Is it castration First by all, the state or castration by the family? I'm not for either one. I don't know castration by whoever can get a hold whoever. of it first. Okay. Because, right. see, this is the mm-hmm. thing. I mean, what's the ultimate what thing? Castration why? You, you're damaging somebody for life. You're hurting them for life. But look mm-hmm. at the damage that he's creating to this child. That's for life, too. It's not mm-hmm. temporary. It's not next week. Okay. It's not over. Wow. They got to deal with this for life, too. So it's still a life sentence for them. Mm-hmm. So right. I think something I think something as atrocious as that may sound, but mm-hmm. if you go mess with a kid, you know what you're doing. When you do it, this is what you got to deal with. I think something like that, that's what it's going to take to break this shit up. That's my thought. Right. Like the lady said, um, like the lady mentioned earlier. I don't know. Figure out, a, I mean, figure out a way to sew that up, too. I don't know. Well, well you're talking about women, what did she say? Yeah, female yeah. molesters. What about female molesters? Yeah. 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 Said, oh, then you know, according to according to Diddy, you just boys you, yeah, you just cut out the clit and all that. Yeah. But I'm not for something that drastic. I'm for putting somebody in the hospital, you know, and letting them recover, and then maybe they might learn from that. Okay. Uh, well, well, let me say this to you, Joe. I mm-hmm. just want to interject a little bit about Rajit's story because okay. you're you're keep saying that, but that's what happened. No one listened to her. Her family didn't help her. The clergy didn't help her. The police didn't help her. When she got older and saw the cycle about to repeat itself, of course, you know, no one still was going to help her. So she decided to take matters into her hand, our Mm -hmm. own hands, like you just said. And it was proven that, you know, she had problems from the past. It It was known throughout the family that he was going to molest these other kids as well, but everybody turned a blind eye. She stood up and tried to take matters into her own hand by castrating him, cutting off his penis so that it did not happen again because this was a weapon. That all, that's all she knew. And once this took place, now 
She goes to jail. She gets um, convicted. The state senator and everybody in the government, the jury, everybody wanted her off. She shouldn't she shouldn't have did any time. But the judge overruled the jury's verdict and gave this girl five to fifteen years for something she never should have been convicted for at first because technically what happened, the severing of the penis is not what caused him to die. It's when she stuck a rag in his mouth to keep him quiet. So he accidentally suffocated, which was proven an accident through her nine one one calls trying to save him. She didn't want to kill him. She just wanted to get rid of the weapon. But in turn, look what happened to her. But thank God it's a blessing, Joe. She's a free woman now. Okay, let me ask you a question. You said that the judge overturned the verdict. He overruled the jury because he asked the jury to make sure when they went back there to make their decision, they didn't rule on emotions. And the judge felt that they ruled on emotions, so he overruled that and gave us so the judge. So the jury came back with an acquittal, but then the judge overruled the acquittal? Okay, technically she doesn't know the legal terms, but what happened was the jury convicted me of a lesser crime, and I could have gotten probation for it. Oh, okay. And he decided to give me the maximum instead of the minimum sentence. That's the legal. Yeah, because you can't still. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you explained it because what he did. I messed that up. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because the judge can't do that. No judge in the world. No judge in America is ever allowed to do that. Right. Because once a jury comes back with an acquittal, it's over and done. Right. No, I wasn't acquitted. Well, but they, Joe, okay. they, Joe, they I mean, the- Joe, how many times have you heard me say, he who makes the, create the game also create the rules? The rules, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so people can, so people say all the time what they can't do, but they prove to us every day they do what they want to do, and all we can do Not is Not in this case, sir. No, there's never been a case where in a... In a criminal case. Now, in in the civil cases, that's different. In a criminal case, once the jury comes back with a not guilty verdict, nobody can overturn it. Not on appeal. You can't appeal it. It's done. Now, if, if a jury comes back with, you're guilty, then they can appeal it and they can overturn it. The judge can overturn that, but he can never overturn an acquittal. That's against uh, you know nobody that I've ever known has done that. If I ain't not even down south, <laughs> okay, no. So I'm glad that she explained it to me because okay, they came back with a conviction on a lesser crime, and then the judge said, well, no, she deserves a um, a higher um, incarceration rate or something like that. That's even that, the judge should not have interfered. So I'm so if he did. He said, yeah, obviously he had his own personal agenda. Um, yeah, and then what happened was, and I'm assuming this, is that as a result of his coming back with that, that set up her case for an appeal. So in yeah. a way, it worked because then she could have appealed that, and now she's out. Probably, I'm, I'm guessing it's because of that. Am I right? No, I, I, I did appeal, but I was released on parole before the appeal. Oh, okay. Um, but that did set up an appeal because. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I wasn't anyway. eligible. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway, we're glad you're home and glad we got some positive things. And, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate you had to endure what you did. But a lot of times, you know, we don't know what our purpose is on this earth. But it may be just for you to go through that just so you could uh, lead the rest of the flock through. 
Well, what happened to Tony? He's in Barbados. Oh, is he? All right. A nice vacation in the sunny Barbados, huh? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's in Barbados, and we decided to do a little something with the drug, with the show, stretch out. I decided I wanted to run for public office, you know, but come on my show, come on my show. You know, every other Sunday, you know, I'll decide to go back to Cape Diddy, Elixir of Love, but mm. you know, and then you know, I want to, I want to do my political thing too because I really think I could run for public office and do a world of good too. Yeah, but come on, Marshall, I'll interrogate you like the same way I interrogated him. That's okay, too, because if you can't tell me how you're going to lower the damn gas prices, I ain't going to listen to you either. (laughs) (laughs) You think I'm playing. You think I'm playing because people don't understand. I'm from the country, and I I believe this. If you can't fix no little shit, don't even tell me about no big shit because I ain't going to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, Look, you got to show me you got to fix some little problems before you can talk to me about fixing some big problems. Yeah, well, I hope you didn't. You're not planning on having that guy on again because I think I ruined it for you. No, hey, uh, we gonna come back, and I'm sure he's gonna come back strong too. Oh yeah, yeah. Good, I'll be around. Yeah, no good politician man run from 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 people that has an opinion and have a mind because it really gives them something to talk to and and, and really get their views across because if they didn't have people to ask questions and have um, opinions such as yourself, then they wouldn't really have nothing to say. Well, you're right. No good politician run away. That's why he's going to stay far away. <laughs> okay. Because this guy was just too slick for me. These, these, well, man. well, Joe, you don't particularly care for any politicians. None. Anybody know, anybody know that 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 you? I guess you're an independent because you don't go for libertarians. You don't go for Democrats. You don't go. I don't go for any of them. Uh, I think they all suck. Um, I think most, 99% of them are liars. And all the time when they're talking about their plans. You know, I was hoping it was money for Congress because I was going to ask him, well, how do you plan on getting your plan out onto the committee floor? Because if the other if the other people in your party, new pre-Democrat, if they don't like your plan, your plan doesn't go anywhere. So all these individual politicians were talking about, well, once I get elected into Congress or once I'm president, what I'm going to do is full of shit bull, all right? What they should say is what I would like to do with the cooperation of the Senate and the House, as your other caller was talking about, because the president by himself is not responsible for what's good or for what's bad. It's the president in conjunction with his party, who is part of the Congress and part of the Senate, that has fucked up America. We are in the state we're in now because of politicians. Politicians, Joe. Politicians. Politicians, you're right. Okay, like Tony always said, <laughs> politicians. <laughs> okay, because they lie to us, then they get into office, and all they really wanted to do in the first place was to get in office so they can have these pretty staffers say, yes, sir, no, sir. Oh, you smell good today, sir. Yes, oh, you're such a genius, sir. No, you're not a genius. You're a freaking traitor. You're an idiot. You're a liar, and you don't belong there. And I don't Play like them. Them. Yes. Kill them all is right. 
I just want to say hi to Terry and to Brigitte. This is Charlie Starr. Uh, I'm happy Charlie, how are you doing? Hello. How are you doing? Good, I'm good. Glad you're with us. Good, good. I really, the story really touched me. And yes, thank I, you, I honey, for your, all your support. You're welcome. You're so welcome. It's worth it. It's a good cause. And Brigitte, I hope everything is working out for you, too. It is. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Yes, too, too. Two very strong ladies, and definitely want to definitely give a shout out to you know World Movement Family, uh, Culture yeah. Pearls, Coda Grooves, uh, even Joe from Montana. They've been missing for a while. We miss you, boy. Come hey, um, you know, I thought it was the, no. I've been uh, trying to uh, come on the well. I've been going to your show every once in a while, and every time I get repeats. How long have you been on live? Um, uh, probably since you've been gone, man. But we've been doing big things over here, man. Give me your show information real quick, if you want to uh, text or email to me, so we can come on to your show and raise hell too. Oh well, you can. Uh, you just go to Ebony um, Empress, um, Ebony Empress. It's a relationship show, and I go there just to uh, give her a hard time. Oh, okay, like you do us, huh? Oh hell yeah. Okay. Well, well I'm coming to, to see you, Joe. Well, you go. <laughs> you, you're gonna have a good time. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, man. We definitely enjoyed having you, and I want to definitely thank all our callers and our listeners and everybody in the chat room. And uh, hopefully, the show touched you in some way, somehow. Uh, to open up your eyes, we can't tell you what to do, what not to do, and we like to consider our show as an information source to give you the tools to go out and make decisions for yourself. And at the end of the day, that's all that we can hope for is that we touch something to inspire you some way or somehow and um, do a little bit more with your day instead of walking around stepping on ants. You know, make your life amount to stumps and stand for something. And that's what we wish for all of you guys. Holiday time from Can I Play a Play and all our supporters. We're here every Sunday, 2.30 PST. I don't know what time that is for Joe in Montana. Cause he, probably, he probably don't even have a clock. He probably is watching the sun. What's the clock? Down. What's the clock? Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, he was pissed off about daylight saving time and shit. You think the time is <laughs> Oh, no. Nah. I don't remember that. No. Uh-uh. No. no well, thank you, Lamont, for having us on the show. I do appreciate it, and I appreciate you allowing us to share our um, dark subjects on abuse, but we're going to enlighten that subject in the near future. Good. Most definitely. We're definitely going to let the world know what's going on, and we are going to make a difference because we definitely know and whether people want to realize it or not, the children are our future, good or bad. The children are it our happens. future. Either we're going to have a good future or we're going to have a bad future. But either way, whatever we do now dictates the outcome of that. Oh, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Joe even agrees with that. Oh, I was about to say, but she brought up a very good point when she says that, you know, if, if we have millions or uh, how many um, hundreds of thousands of millions of families are, bringing up their kids in a way that they are psychologically damaged, they're not going to become, you know, productive members of society. They're not going to become the doctors, lawyers, astronauts, and chemists, and teachers, et cetera. Right, yeah. right. As a matter of fact, that's part of the plan. I hope you know that. 
from the government itself and from people outside of the government to make sure that not only are we dumbed down, you know, as as a um, as a nation, but that groups within the nation are dumbed down even more. And that's the way it's that's the plan. It's not to help America grow, it's to help America become you know, into the toilet. Well, that's only because America's been helping themselves into the toilet because uh, people outside look from the outside looking in, they just basically following suit. You know, they're not going to help us educate or empower ourselves if they see ourselves making ourselves look dumb and doing stupid stuff. That's right. You know, it's for Mm -hmm. us to check our own house, man, get our own stuff in order. I mean, that's our first line of responsibility. You know, we got to get our own star player in order. We can't depend on nobody outside to do that. Well, that's what I've always been saying, and and I said today, you know, it's the mother's and father's responsibility. You have to divorce yourself from the outside elements. Take care of your own. The Jews do it. The Chinese do it. There isn't any any reason why other people can't do it. Education is the key. Education is the key. Right. Again, y'all, down to the last minute of the show, I want to thank everybody once again. Come back next week and check us out, and hopefully, Joe, we can get you back. And who knows, man? Robbie might call back. You know, oh, I hope he does. Have... I'll be oh, that'll, that'll be great for me. I'll have a fun day with him. He might have on some, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, some new boxing gloves by the end. You know, he can wear the old ones and new ones. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. I know. Either way it goes, you're gonna be ready. Ain't you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All those All slick right. answers that these politicians give, please give me a break. <laughs> well, man, we gotta have them. Come on now. What? Gotta have who? Them. <laughs> them what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, have that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Yeah. Some of y'all need to hear this. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help you things understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleep of what I'm drinking. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said he who puts his hands to the pile looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the scriptures five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at ya, I'm just hitting you with the real <laughs> If you got for me, I was still tripping Now how you think that make you feel? Check this out, deep game, this here's deep huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you started trying to reach huh? But after him who was able to possess your father's by his glory Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate I know we can Shout out. 
you let him, I know good and well he can work it out.